Welcome to episode 74 of the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by Jackson Hole Marketplace, Jackson Hole's little community market on the south side of town. Please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash jhm to learn a little bit more. Hello from Jackson Hole. I'm Stephan Abrams, your host and guide today. Today's guest is a fourth generation local, Charlie Schinkel. Each time I speak to someone with deep roots from Jackson Hole, I feel that I just want to know more. Charlie and his family have done some amazing work documenting his family's history here in the valley, so it may live on for future generations. Charlie will share with us his fun energy, his passion for the community, which his family has called home for four generations. We will learn what life was about in Jackson Hole over a hundred years ago, and the resolve needed to live life in a valley isolated from the outside world during most of the months, which was mainly winter, which seems like it's always winter in Jackson Hole. So please enjoy listening to Charlie today. I think you'll have a great time learning a ton about him and his family in this beautiful place that we love called Jackson Hole. Charlie, so cool to finally, finally get you in here to the office as a guest for the Jackson Hole Connection. Thanks glad for coming. To f- glad to finally be here. You talked about it long enough. Glad I finally got the invitation. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody else has been on here, but your dog and me, so yeah, well, I figured I was next in line. Y- Carly's next. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be above the family pet. <laughs> Could have brought my three-legged blind dog in. Maybe she'd be more interesting than me, but I don't know. We'll see. Does she still bark? Never was a barker, thank goodness. Okay. Never was a barker. All right. Cool. Now she's just running into the couch. Yeah. Well, at least it's the couch and not the, like, glass window or something. Amen. Yeah. So uh, you are connected to Jackson Hole by several generations. Several. Four. Four generations. On both sides. No kidding. On my grandmother's side and my grandfather. Right. They both of their parents homesteaded here as well. You're very rare then. Pretty rare. You yeah. don't see a lot of us. I was walking out of the work today doing a delivery of one of my jobs and there was actually people that I grew up with who were also natives and we're like looking at each other like, Wow, this is this doesn't happen too often in Jackson Hole, Wyoming anymore. <laughs> you can fit them all in four natives in one building at one time? That's crazy. Yeah. That's that's pretty rare around it's, here. It's it's nice to see yeah. once in a while. It's almost like seeing nice like to a wolverine see. or something. Totally. Yeah. The honey badger. Yeah. <laughs> and you were born at St. John's Hospital here I in was town? born at St. John's, yes. Okay. So let's hear a little bit about the history okay. of your two sides of the family that has that goes that makes you the fourth generation. Okay. So my dad's side his father was Ray Schinkel, and his dad was William Schinkel, and they came. So there's a big up in the up in Kelly. There's a Kelly Cemetery, and the Schinkels and I believe the Budge family are the only two families that can be still buried up there. Mm-hmm. Anyways, there's this big giant stone altar that the Schinkel family put in a couple years ago. This is 1902, and so as I was kind of looking through the history, prepping for our interview. I was seeing some different dates. We came, my William Cornelius Schinkel came to Kelly probably about 1901, and they didn't stay long. They ended up going over towards St. Anthony, Idaho for a while, and then work brought him back. So the 1901, 1902 is when we first came, 
and we kind of settled up the Grove on a ways. And then when we came back from Idaho, William Cornelius Schinkle and family homesteaded on the Kelly Flats, which is that flat prairie that is on your left as you're coming out of the town of Kelly, starting up like Antelope Flats towards the science school. Okay. So the Schinkles homesteaded there, and I was always under the belief that as you go up to the Warm Springs, as you're going up towards the Grovant, you got the Warm Springs, there's like a corner, and there's one little tree. And apparently that's where the homestead was, and that's what I've been kind of under the guise of all my life. So this year we had a family reunion, which we may touch on later. I had a family reunion. I had the Schinkel family historian was there. And so we went through the whole thing, and I asked him about that. And he's like, yeah, that's kind of. But back in the day, the homestead parcels were huge. And I want to say he said something like 100 acres each for the homestead parcels. So I was right, but it encompassed so much more. So the Schinkels homesteaded at the Kelly Flats, and the next homestead over was the Woodward homestead. And that would be my grandma was Mm -hmm. Mabel Woodward. She she was born in 69, came here from Kansas. 1869. 1869. Okay. And they homesteaded in 1909 in Wilson. And then they eventually moved to the Kelly Flats, where, again, their homestead was butted up against the Schinkle homestead. Uh-huh. So Ray Schinkle, at 27 years of age, married Mabel Woodward, who was 16 years of age. (laughs) That's kind of crazy this day and age. That doesn't happen too often. But, um, yeah, so they were married. She was 16. He was 27. He's lucky to have found a woman around here. Right? Absolutely. (laughs) And so those those parcels out there, like I said, there were probably about 100 each. So, like I said, the Woodward's butted up against the shingles. And talking to my cousin – the highway that you go down, the little road that takes you through Antelope Flats, or you can mm-hmm. make the ride up to the Grovant. William Cornelius Schinkle had to annex that. He had to get permission, give permission to get that road through for, I don't think it was for the park at that time. No. But whoever wanted to put that road through, mm-hmm. Schinkle Homestead had to give up that acreage for that road to go through. Mm-hmm. And this summer is way cool. Every year, the Schinkles have a family reunion. My wife and I hosted it this year for the family. And we did it up at the Kelly campground. And uh, one afternoon, we went walking around. And between out in the Kelly Flats, we found the old shingle woodward like junk pile. Because everybody just like collected in one little area. You know, homesteads you shared. You were going to haul it. And there was no place You to haul know, it we were all sitting there going, well, it is <laughs> technically the park. Nobody scavenged anything from. Mm-hmm. Because it was just really cool to see. Yeah. I mean, it was neat. There was an old wagon wheel in there. Uh-huh. Um, bottles. I mean, rusted out cans. I mean, it was great. It was crazy to see. Yeah, it was really neat. But that had been there since the early 1900s. That's awesome. Yeah. And to get put put some perspective to this with your grandfather William. So that William Cornelius was your great grandfather, and he would son, be my great grandfather. My grandfather was Ray, Ray, his son. Yes, so absolutely. Even when Ray was growing up there, Ray and Mabel, your grandparents, it's not as though that you would come to town every day. No. I mean, that was a haul. Exactly. And even back in the day, I believe Kelly was even looked at to be the county seat at the time. So Kelly wasn't too far, but I would have, 
with the things that they had to travel in, I would imagine even from the flats to that little town of Kelly was crazy. Oh, sure. And my great-grandfather, William Cornelius Schinkel, I talked to Andy about this last night, cousin of mine, he, William Cornelius Schinkel, was a the first postmaster in Brooks, Wyoming. Uh-huh. So I, was, I just huh. wanted to research. I'm like, where was Brooks at? Well, you got Brooks Lake Lodge, and you've got uh, Cottonwood Creek, which is clear up in the Grovant. Yeah. And so there was an area between those two where they put a little post office. No kidding. Yeah, so Brooks, Wyoming. He was the first postmaster. Talk about rural. I have pictures of our my, my grandparents' cabin on Kelly Flats, snow past the windows. Uh-huh. And, I mean, you can basically see the roof sticking out. And I was talking to a buddy of mine today, another native who grew up here, and we were just talking. It's like, I'm freezing out there today. I mean, it was negative nine when I saw you this morning at the gym. Mm -hmm. And it's cold. And I can't imagine what kept you here. (laughs) You park it for – you come in the summertime. Things are beautiful. You're like, this is great. That first winter, I'm moving on, man. (laughs) Even the natives moved over to Lander and Riverton. I don't – what kept you here? What kept you here? Um, Did you ever find out? <laughs> well, I think the jobs. You know, everybody, you know, asks two questions. Were they Mormon or were they Catholic? They were neither. Um, and I think it was – and the reason they asked that, and we'll touch on this later, is my uh, my father was 15 to 16 kids. So I think that's what kept you busy up in Kelly. Your, in what were, your father had 15 to 16 kids? or my, he was... my grandfather. My dad was 15 to 16. So my grandparents, Mabel and Ray, had uh-huh. 16 children. Holy. So I think that's what you did up in Kelly when it was cold. I reckon so. <laughs> and those and th- those cabins were tiny. Those cabins were tiny. So I don't know where they fit them all as they were coming, but I think it was just work, you know. And another question we get asked is, were they farmers, were they ranchers? No. My grandfather was working here, and he used to run freight um, from around the St. Anthony uh, – Ashton, Idaho area. Mm-hmm. He ran freight and lumber to help build the first dam of a Jackson Lake. Cool. And ran a bunch of uh, freight. There's uh, If you go into Kelly property, you can find the old Kelly schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. He ran the freight and the lumber to help build that as well. So when he's running this freight, is this uh, horse? Horses. The freight that he ran for the dam came from Ashton, St. Anthony, Idaho, down that grassy lake road. You can uh-huh. catch it in the summertime. Yeah. And it takes you right Ranch. to Flag Ranch. Right. So that was obviously the quicker route there. Uh-huh. But he ran horses and wagons over Teton Pass Woo. to get the wood and the freight to the Kelly Schoolhouse. He's a brave fellow. It's crazy. It's crazy. I can't even. I mean, how spoiled are we now, man? <laughs> we don't even want to drive the pass on our four-wheel drive cars. <laughs> and these guys are ah, the pass not closed. And they just did it. Yeah. You know, they just did it, and they managed it somehow. So did you ever – did you know your grandparents, Ray and Mabel? I did not. My okay. grandfather died when my dad was 12. He Ooh, was okay. 55, I believe. And he worked hard, He I worked hard. My grandmother died two days after I was born in okay. 73. Uh-huh. So I was originally – my dad was Charles Vernon Schinkel, and I was supposed to be Matson after the – Ray Matson Schinkel, my grandfather. But as I was after I was born, my somebody went down to my grandmother's room at St. John's. She was in the hospital. 
and she asked how Charlie Jr. was doing. Uh-huh. So there was a quick turnaround saying, <laughs> oh, Charlie Jr.'s fine. <laughs> so the Madsen didn't stick. I was Charlie Jr. at that point because Grandma dictated that. So, yeah, she she passed away two days after I was born. And who knows? She just could have been referring to the son being Jr. <laughs> absolutely. She might have been just on. Absolutely. Who knows what she was talking about? But I think they probably figured what she was talking about. But there's a family photo, and I think it was – one of the last times where the whole family was actually all the siblings, a big photo was taken. Mm-hmm. And it's of so your dad got, and his siblings. My dad and his siblings. Uh-huh. So you've got where the old hospital was, where the medical center is now. Yeah. Across the parking lot. And that, that parking lot that's there now, I think, is where this family photo was taken. Okay. And shingles have a bad history of passing away early. We have a good bit of heart disease in our family that a lot of people didn't always take care of take the best care of themselves so they kind of left early Mm -hmm. but yeah i think that was one of the last photos of every sibling that was taken okay yeah and what did your dad say it was like growing up there and did he grow up in kelly by the time my dad was born in 42 Uh uh-huh he they were living in wilson so did the flood push them out of kelly the flood pushed them out of kelly Uh so they were living on the kelly flats when uh, the slide took place at 1925. Okay. And and I had just learned this fact this summer. I knew they had survived the flood. So they were on the flats when the dam when was created by the slide. Mm-hmm. They had moved to Kelly proper. There was an 11-bedroom house in Kelly. Built and that's where by... They, I don't know who built it. Okay. Um, but that's where they were living. Uh-huh. And so there might have been some affluence to the Schinkel family at that time. I don't know what it would have been from, mm-hmm. but I would imagine to have an 11 bedroom house, that was a, probably a pretty big deal out here back then. Yeah. And so that's where they were living when the flood hit. Uh-huh. And my grandmother left a, a tape recorder recording. I could just see her sitting at a coffee table, everybody smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee. And she's just talking to this court, this tape recorder about the family history. And she basically grabbed, Grandpa came to the homestead, said, we got to go. I think she bundled up the kids, grabbed the wash that was on the line, and they headed up towards now Jackson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and then that house was destroyed in the flood. Uh-huh. And so they ended up in Dry Hollow, which is on the Elk Refuge. Somewhere back on the old Elk Re- in the Elk Refuge Road, you would find Dry Hollow. Dry Hollow. And I believe that you can actually walk up. I don't know where i've had a million invitations to go back there with people and for some stupid reason i haven't done it yet to go up there and you can see some of the i don't know if there's homestead sites up there but i think there's remnants like the shingle woodward kind of trash pile Uh i think there's some remnants of homesteads up there because that's where we went after the flood was up in dry hollow and then later they moved to wilson and then later they moved to wilson Uh they were living and this just cracks me up because when i say the words john dodge uh-huh. What does that say to you? Rich. Yeah. John Dodge. They were living on John Dodge property back in the day, and it was not what it is no, today. I mean, I mean, it was just an area, and it was a guy, and it was his property. Jackson didn't start seeing Jackson, wealth until exactly. the 80s. Exactly. I mean, there was some wealthy people there was that had yeah, people sure. here, but it was tough living. I remember early 80s, the first time I was on John Dodge, my dad was building Jerry Spencer's first house. So, I mean, John Dodge was not a huge area. Mm-hmm. But that's where they were living when my dad was born. That's okay. where my dad grew up was in Wilson. And what 
is your connection to Nita and Muggs? Muggs and Nita are my second cousins. Okay. So their dad, Willard, is the oldest shingle sibling. Okay. He's the oldest one of my dad's siblings. Uh-huh. And so did those. Okay, so Muggs and Nita are my first cousins because uh-huh. they, Uncle Willard, my Uncle Willard was their dad. Okay. Stephanie Ivy, who people may know, she's yep. been in the Valley forever. She is my second cousin. That's Nita's daughter. Yeah. And all those siblings of theirs, those Stephs. And so I remember Nita and Muggs saying that when they were kids, their dad would wrap them up in blankets, pull them horse mm-hmm. down uh, Fish Creek, Ro- Fall Creek Road mm-hmm. to the school. Yeah. Old Wilson School. Yep, Old Wilson yeah. School. So where are all the shingles living down, in, down Fall Creek Road? You know, by the time my dad was born, 15 to 16, he had a bunch of siblings that were out of the house. Uh-huh. Um, oh, true. true. My, my dad, I mean, when he was, I think the first paycheck, the first money he ever made, he bought himself a bed, a uh-huh. mattress, because he was so tired of having to always give up his spot whenever the siblings came home. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of them that were way gone okay. out of the house by the time he was born. Uh-huh. Um, but I, yeah, I've heard those stories. Cool. Absolutely. And I, and again, it just takes me back. I can't imagine what that's like. No, I can't imagine what that's like. I get cranky when I'm my, my new 2018 Chevy doesn't crank right away on a cold day. (laughs) I can't imagine having to drive my wagon. So was your grandfather hauling freight in the wintertime too? I believe so. Okay. I believe it was probably a never ending job. He's probably using sleds then. Yep. And it could be uh-huh. absolutely. Um, there's a at one point between some kids, right after Willard, and I think the next in line might have been a uncle of mine, Glenn, who passed away as a child. They went to Twin Falls, Idaho, and lived for a while. So as you leave Idaho Falls now, and before Blackfoot, you've got those lava fields. They did that in a covered wagon, and the interstate can be a bear. Yeah. <laughs> Going down to Salt Lake, uh, much less a field of much lava less rock. a field of lava rock. That had and to so that tear was, up some wheels. Yeah, so that was one of my stories I remember growing up and hearing as a kid was them doing that trek to Twin Falls. What was it like for you growing up here in Jackson Hole? It was fun. It was great. I mean, obviously everybody knew my dad. My mom came here in '63. Uh, she didn't even know where she was going. Her and a girlfriend came out. My mom thought she was going to like. Arizona or somewhere. She didn't know where she, <laughs> she kind of got a little lost. She didn't know exactly where she was heading for to, when Yellowstone was mentioned. She was from Youngstown, Ohio, outside of Cleveland. But she was a nurse at St. John's Hospital for 42 years, and she ran the emergency room for probably 30 of those years. So me growing up here, everybody knew my parents. Oh, I bet. I totally know how my kid feels now when she was growing up because it was the same thing with me and her mother. And I really you, you couldn't get away with anything because there was always somebody watching you. And, you know, like I remember getting pulled over by police, speeding home, like from my girlfriend's house, whatever. And I'd get stopped. Oh, you're Vernon Sally's kid. Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll go home and have a good night. And then they would tell my parents. And then the next day I'd be grounded for two weeks. And it was horrible. Just give me the ticket. But it was great. Great growing up here. Do you have some stories to share about growing up here now that um, statute of limitations has passed? (laughs) I was actually kind of... I was kind of a dull kid, but at the same time, I was – I've got two sisters. They're two older sisters. I was the one who definitely pushed the bounds. Mm-hmm. I was getting kicked out of Pomida shoplifting. I was running around town throwing Easter time with a buddy of mine who actually still lives in town, throwing jelly beans out the car, and police get called for that. And <laughs> 
I started a fire as a kid and burned some stuff down. And it was as I was getting older, I would like confess these things at like Vista Grande, an old Mexican restaurant on the Village Road by Calico, where Roadhouse started. It was a great Mexican place. It's like that was my confessional. Mm-hmm. As I was getting older, each time we'd go out there, I'd drop something new, some other tidbit that my parents mm-hmm. suspected <laughs> I had something to do with. But I would fully confess it to him, and my dad would just sit there and shake his head over his grande mm-hmm. <laughs> combination meal. <and laughs> like, yeah, you couldn't press charges. <laughs> Too much time had passed. Was Vista Grande open year-round when you were growing up? I think so. Was yeah, it? I remember okay. going out there, yeah. So probably one of the few places you could go dine. That yeah. Happy Joe's. Yeah, but it was uh, – Happy Joe's, man. That was great. I had a few birthday parties at that place. Um, Happy Hound was another great one. What was Happy Hound? Happy Hound was like a hamburger hot dog shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's where Home Ranch with a restroom. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was right there. I remember my mom would pick me up. Sometimes she'd be done nursing and she'd come pick me up and take me to lunch there. Yeah, home of the footlong hot dog. Happy Hound. It was great. It was a cool place. And you getting into trouble. I'm, how did that lead into your first career? It was a very fine line. <laughs> it was a very fine line. And my first career was a probation and parole officer here in town. Um, yeah, it was a fine line. And it actually, I think, helped it to some degree. And as a kid, I never used, I never drank a lot. I never used drugs. Were there so, drugs here growing up? There was, absolutely. Some weed? Absolutely. I think a little, I think there was like cocaine parties going uh-huh. on. Huh. You know, because okay. we always had that affluence here. I mean, we always had the real estate dads and moms mm-hmm. or whatever who would, you know, and their kids, it all trickles down. I okay. mean, we're starting to see it in the schools now. It all trickles down. But I, I don't think I was ever cool enough to be invited to the party, so I never really had to worry about that scene. <laughs> but uh, I got into enough trouble on my own not doing any of that stuff. Um so I wouldn't have wanted to add alcohol or drugs to that stuff. But I had a good time. And, yeah, it ended up in a great career. And one of the th- one thing where it did help me is, obviously, if I'm stealing from Pomida, if I'm starting fires that get out of control, there's some trust and honesty issues there. And so as a ad- young adult, I got to reflect on that and work on that. And that became a very important part of who I am now, to be honest. And it worked out great in the profession that I had. Way to stick with it. It was it was a it was a good career. I'm glad to be out of it, but it was a great career for 21 years. I'll be right back with Charlie after this quick message from the show's sponsor, Jackson Hole Marketplace, the little shop south of town with a huge heart. The right place in Jackson Hole to stop for a hot breakfast and coffee or affordable lunch and beverage. Serving house-made food, prepared fresh during the week. Looking for a special Jackson Hole gift to send someone in town or through the mail? Jackson Hole Marketplace creates custom gift packages ready to ship and deliver. Learn more today at the jacksonholeconnection.com slash JHM. Now, did you ever leave Jackson and come back? College. Um, I spent a summer during my college years. I went to uh, North Augusta, South Carolina. I lived, and then I would just jump on the interstate, and I worked in Augusta, Georgia for a summer at a kind of like a first start of a whole grocery kind of a thing. It's called the Fresh Market. Mm-hmm. And it was right across the street from the Masters Golf Course. And so other than spending the summer there and then college, mm-hmm. not really. Where did you go to university? I went – I started – two years I went to Northwest College in Powell. And then I ended up getting my degree in uh, Bozeman, mm-hmm. Montana State University. And right as I was getting out of school, 
the probation job opened. I mean, like two months before I was graduating, the job opened. I'd been doing, I was the meter maid, like writing parking tickets for the police department summer. And so one of my cop buddies uh, called me one day and said, hey, dude, this, you know, there's a job opening in the paper. So I applied for it. And I think the reason I got it is because I had a place to live. Even in 96, housing sucked. So the fact that I had a place to live and I was from here, they knew I'd probably stay here for a while. And so I think it worked to my advantage. Cool. Yeah, it worked out great. I, I want to cover maybe a uh, image that some people might have with somebody that's been here for four generations. Okay. So, my gosh, you've been here, you and your family from both sides, been here for four generations, homesteaded all this land, lots of acres, moved around the valley. Gosh, you guys have got to own so much land in this valley. It's got to be crazy. You would think. You would hope. Um, tell me the reality of what life was like for your families to to be able to really survive here and it's you know put the reality into it so you know i remember i mean to a degree because it was a different time i mean i never really knew my parents financial status Mm -hmm. because they would have quite frankly told me it was not my business um but i think they were my mom made a good living at the hospital my dad was a carpenter by trade um at 42, he had his first heart attack, and he went to work for the city. Mm-hmm. Um, he got sick of just being out in 14 below weather building houses. Yeah. So I think my I think they made a good living. I grew up south of town, right next to the Lower Valley. My parents had three and a half acres out there. Um, take that back. Might have been about three, maybe just a little under three. So out by Lower Valley. Grew up there. When I was born, we were living on Hanson Street in this little teeny tiny house. Remember where Sheriff Zimmer used to live? I mean, that yeah. area. So I'm there's down the a, from there. I know you are. Uh-huh. So there's that little teeny tiny thing. Uh-huh. As you're going east, it would be on your left side. Okay. Tiny little Right thing. before Zimmer's property. Right before Zimmer's property. The That's little where, blue house? Is it blue? Stucco? I think it might be blue now. Uh-huh. It was kind of off yellow okay. um, for many years. But anyways, that's where we were living when I was born. Uh-huh. And so then in 75, we I was born in 73, 75, we moved out south of town. So, and again, I think my parents did okay. I think they bought that property and built the house in 1975 for, I think, $25,000. Put $25,000 back in 1973, 74 mm-hmm. was a lot of money. So that was a good investment on their part. And then they ended up retiring and moving over to Teton Valley over in Idaho, and they were in Teutonia for a while. Okay. So they had some acreage there that they had bought sure. as young people at a nice price. But, you know, one of the questions I get asked all the time when people find out that we homesteaded here so early, well, they think we just – the bank's full of our money <laughs> because we sold this property, made a ton of money from the Rockefellers. <laughs> and that's one of the things I actually got to touch on this summer oh yes when i was talking to the family so that whole giant homestead we had my grandfather sold ray shinkle sold his chunk to a developer there was just a developer going around buying stuff up willie crawford i guess he lived up at the elk refuge Uh so he bought whatever acreage we had nobody was sure how many acres at that point was left but for seventeen hundred dollars in 1917 which back then, that was probably good money. I bet. So maybe that's how they were able to go into that 11-room bedroom uh, bedroom house. I'm not sure if that's what funded that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then 
William Cornelius Shingle stayed out there, my great-grandfather, until he passed, and he ended up selling his in 34 to the Snake River Law Land Company, which was Rockefeller, mm-hmm. and he made 2100 Not much difference. Not much difference. Mm-hmm. And so everybody thinks Rockefeller coming in, there'd be millions involved. I don't think there was millions, and I don't – I think the Rockefellers had millions, but I don't know if they were trickling it down. And then another guy, Dr. Huff, and I'm not sure his name, but I think his name still echoes in town. I think Huff House mm-hmm. is part of that family name. Um, but I remember hearing the name Dr. Huff. He bought some acreage from uh, a great uncle, I guess my dad's uncle, Charlie Schinkel, who was his namesake um, in the late 50s. And Charlie let him, and Dr. Huff let Charlie live on there until. Charlie passed away, and I'm not sure what year that was, but it was in the 50s at some point. How cool to say, I'm going to buy your land, but you, you can live here. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and, and he, he might not have even charge him rent. He didn't. And I just found this out last night. Dr. Huff was actually Charlie's doctor. There's a couple of books in town that Charlie Shingle is actually referred to in. Uh-huh. There's one out there that will mention Ray and Mabel. And there's a couple that mentioned this, Charlie, and he had a nickname of Shaky huh? because he had cerebral palsy, so he shook. Oh, jeez. So people gave him Charlie Shaky Shinkle, uh-huh. the nickname. And so Dr. Huff was his doctor and, uh, yeah, and allowed his patient to stay on the land, and Charlie would work for Dr. Huff taking care of stuff that needed to be taken care of for doctor bills. Can you pay off doctor bills? Imagine at that time of – this century growing i mean growing up around here living here was hard enough mm-hmm. much less to have cerebral palsy mm-hmm. Whew. yeah he, he was one tough guy he was yeah i i obviously never met him dying in the 50s but my dad remembers him as a kid and always spoke highly of him and you hear positive things but yeah i mean and he i don't know i'm not sure how old he was when he passed i know he's an older gentleman but mm-hmm. yeah that would be not easy if it's a healthy person did your family ever Talk about how they felt about um, that Snake River Land Company coming in and buying those people's homesteads? No, I mean, I don't really recall much being spoken about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, the only time you really hear it is when you tell people where you homesteaded. Yeah, we're up in Cali. Oh, you guys must have made a ton of money. Yeah, not really. But again, back but back in the day, seventeen hundred probably was good money. Ooh, I bet it was a lot of money. But today, that's probably not that does nothing. We mm-hmm. wouldn't sell a piece of sagebrush for seventeen hundred dollars right. on our property now. <laughs> but yeah. back in nineteen seventeen, that was probably a pretty good chunk. I, I agree. Um, yeah, that was that's pretty amazing. And to think of Mabel giving birth to 16 kids 16 kids and my dad 15 to 16 was 13 9 13 pounds 9 ounces nah yes sir your poor grandmother man i might have been walking out of there by yeah 15 i don't know <laughs> <laughs> she might have just been doing dinner well, some night and it, boom it, there's another one yeah oh god there's another one and were they even going to the hospital then? They, the first several, I mean, many of them were not. I believe there's probably just born at an home. aunt and an uncle of mine who were born before my father, who I think they were the first two born in St. John's. Mm-hmm. And that would have been late 30s. And that would have been the old log cabin St. John's hospital. That would have been the old log cabin St. John's, absolutely. Right. Where the church is now. Yeah. That's, that's cool. It's crazy. 
Yeah, but I think the my dad's brother after him was born on a hay sled after because they were working their way to town. Uh huh. My uncle Fred, he was the youngest of them all. Like I said, I think he was born on a hay sled. Was he called Straw? <laughs> he was called a lot. I'm sure. <laughs> he was a character. Sounds like the whole family has a good sense of humor. It was. Streak. They're neat people. I mean, they are. They're they're neat people. I mean, they're all working people. They're spread out all over. Muggs and Nita that we referred to, Stephanie, Ivy, those three are down in Lincoln County. There's a couple in Pinedale, smatterings here in town. I think I've got two cousins living in Jackson. And, I mean, the rest are in Wyoming or Montana, Idaho, some Utah. How many people showed up to this reunion? I would say, well, let me put it this way. When I ordered food for the breakfasts, I had 30 pounds of bacon and 20 pounds of sausage links. Okay. And that was for for two mornings. Mm -hmm. I would say probably about, I think we had about 65 people there. And how many could it have been? Oh, it it could have been maybe double that. Uh Um, It's it's not funny. It's sad. My dad. Of my dad's siblings, of the 16, only one is surviving. Oh. Everybody else has passed on. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we have a bad thing of heart disease in our family. So I have an aunt who lives in Goodland, Kansas, who uh, she's the only surviving sibling mm. left. So to answer your question, how many could have been there? Dad was 15 of 16. I was a 68th of 69 grandchildren. Whoa. So, <laughs> you, take, you take all of those, and many of those nieces and nephews of my dad were way older than my dad was. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember when my mom moved here, 63. She came in 63. She went home to Youngstown that winter, came back in 64. And my dad had a cousin in town uh, who was at the Cowboy, and my mom was at the Cowboy. And this guy was like, Sally, you've got to meet my Uncle Vern. My mom's like, why would I want to meet your uncle? <laughs> Not realizing that Uncle Vern was the same age as he was. Uh-huh. Once you get the dynamics and the math <laughs> and the formula figured out of ages and kids versus siblings, it's it was it was it's easier to figure out. But my mom was like, "Why would I want to meet your uncle? Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I haven't been to town that long, and I'm not that desperate yet." Yeah. So that's like your dad's oldest siblings having kids, pretty much, and those kids, absolutely, growing up around the same time your dad yeah. was born, yeah. same age and yeah. or younger than my dad, calling him Uncle Vern. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So thank goodness my mom eventually met Uncle Vern and mm-hmm. <laughs> came to t- and met up. Your dad must have left quite the impression to move here from Youngstown, Ohio. Must have done something. I think yeah. I think by the end of the summer of 64, my mom's like, well, I'm going back to Youngstown if you don't do anything. So I think he finally snapped out of it. Okay. I remember, again, the shinkles were kind of, and I don't mean this in an insulting way by any stretch of the imagination. They were simple because it, it was a simple place. Mm-hmm. And they were going back to Youngstown and my dad had a jeep and it had two different colored doors and that was fine Mm -hmm. but my mom's like yeah you're not driving me back to youngstown (laughs) in a truck that has two different colored doors (laughs) so she made they went and bought a new truck and then drove out to youngstown but yeah it was uh it's an interesting match 
my mm-hmm. mom and dad. They're they're two totally different upbringings, but somehow it worked for forty two years. So I'm glad it did. And one cool son and a couple of cool daughters. Yeah, there you go. And you were saying this morning that your wife's family. Did your wife grow up here? She did not. She oh, was okay. actually born in Seattle. Uh-huh. She grew up in eastern Wyoming in Torrington. Okay. And then she moved here in about 92. Her mother was living here. Okay. And so she, we were, I mean, she's my age, so we were pretty much fresh out of high school. So she just wanted, she went to Seattle after high school for a while and then just wanted to come back to Wyoming and ended up in Jackson. Mm-hmm. And then met, and I have a stepdaughter. So she met a guy, they got married, had a kid, and got divorced and now she's mine awesome both of them are mine well you're theirs (laughs) yes very happy family so what's in the binder here that you have so i got this big old binder that says ray mattson shinkle family history Uh uh-huh so i've got a map of the plats that uh, somebody provided me that shows some of the original homesteads out there so it's homesteads from 1900 to 1915 and I've got a printout of the Schinkel family history from 1500 A.D. to 1973. No kidding. How would you get into that? I had a cousin who is deceased, April Schinkel. She lived here for a while. She worked out of St. John's. Who She was kind of like the family historian, and she did a ton. Mm-hmm. And so she put together, and I'm not sure where she found all this info, but it's... It's comp- It's huge. It's comprehensive as heck. And then I alluded to this tape recording that my grandmother made. So that has been transcribed. So in this book also is Grandma's story is told by Mabel Schinkel in 1972. Cool. A couple years ago. You remember in a few years ago, it's gone away. We had that tidbits. You would find it laying around like government buildings. It was like Jackson Hole News history and like on this day in Jackson. Yeah. So yeah. – Right before that shutdown, they got a hold of a cousin of mine, Jack Schinkel, who took them through kind of the same history we're going through today. Mm-hmm. So that's been since transcribed, and that's in here. And I've got John William Woodward's story, so that would be my grandmother's family's story coming out here. That's Mabel Woodward's. That's Mabel Woodward's family, family. history. I've got some there's some photos in here. I got uh, I believe this was a news article in the new the Jackson Hole Guide, Thursday, May nineteenth, nineteen seventy seven. My grandmother was interviewed about the day the the day Kelly Wyoming vanished. Hmm. So I've got that transcribed in here. Whole rundown. I've got some obituaries from back in the day. And then I've got another Schinkel family history from Schaffhausen, Switzerland, fifteen hundred to Jackson, Wyoming, two thousand. Or genealogy. So I don't know if any of you guys watch or if you do, Stefan. Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime. Yeah. In this new season, the bad guy is a shinkle. And I'm like, what? So I looked it up. And the spelling of the shinkle bad guy is German. Uh The shinkle of the bad guy is the actual spelling that we had Uh back in the day. Cool. You know, eons ago. So we're famous. We're a bad guy. We're in Jack Ryan. So this, this goes from everywhere from my father's family to... Hans Schinkel, in 1534, he was born. That's cool. Yeah, and that will tell, like, when they pass away, if they if they have it, it'll show the death date, birth date, spouse, and that's just, yeah, what, what do you say? This is about an inch thick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, inch thick. I wish I had a book like that and for my family. It's interesting as hell. Um, and my mom always used to joke. She has 
a brother and a sister. We can have her family reunion in the phone booth, <laughs> but we have to actually rent out a park. <laughs> we have to rent a giant campground to have the Shinkle family reunion. So do you know what brought the Shinkle out here and the Woodwards out here? You know, in reviewing all of this stuff, I don't. They, again, my grandmother was in Kansas, mm-hmm. and they moved around, and they went to different areas. They were in Idaho. They were anywhere between here and there. Yeah. They stopped. Um, I don't know what it was exactly that kept them here. Your family probably had its own float in the 4th of July parade We could have. I don't think they were that inventive. But, uh, <laughs> well, your dad was a freight hauler. He had a wagon. Yeah, totally. Well yeah, put them yeah, all yeah, in we there. We could have put them all in yeah. there. Um, Maybe yeah, you guys we were the parade. You know, I mean, all this history. We're the, we're the largest history ever produced here. Mm-hmm. And not one street. We have a no-name street, but not a shingle street. Mm-hmm. Not a shingle avenue. Maybe so you should bring on, that up to the town. Come on, Stephen. you got to bring it up to the town council. Yes. Come on, podcast listeners. <laughs> we need a shingle petition street. Petition your mayor for yeah. a shingle street. Or at least let's have a parking space on the Something. town square for Something. the shingles. Park a Tesla in yeah. it. Because that is only. true shingle uh, Style. belief right there. But absolutely. it needs two different colored doors. <laughs> it would need two different colored doors. <laughs> only if your Tesla has a black and a blue door can you put it Yes, there. that's right. Charlie, this has been awesome hearing. It's, it's cool. And it's something, you know, growing up, I didn't care about this stuff. Uh-huh. You know, as these aunts and uncles and cousins were passing on, I, I mean, all kids, no kids care about this stuff. And it's sad because now it's I have this one-inch binder, mm-hmm. and that's it. You know, I would have loved to have had time to spend with Grandma Schinkel or, you know, and get this dialed in more because I think it's just it's an amazing history and I've got a DVD at home of photos full of stuff from again the log cabin with the windows covered in snow it's a cool history that these and I don't get why they stayed mm-hmm. but I get it yeah they did it they did it and they made it work cool Charlie thank you for sharing your family history anytime man thanks for having me you bet this has been awesome good if yeah. If people want to learn more about the historical side of your family, what's a great way for them to get in touch with you? The best way, I'm not a Facebooker. You can find me on Instagram. You can email me, cshinkle at gmail.com. That works. All small caps. Instagram, I think I'm under is Charlie Shinkle. Nothing crazy. No secret codes. Yeah, yeah email me. Um, if you have any information out there that you think I'd love to know. Mm-hmm. Let me know. It's it's very interesting. And this cousin that I was referring to earlier, Andy Schinkel, he is actually good friends with Don Kent, who is a Wilson, uh, not a Wilsonite, but a Kellyite. And she and her and Andy are working on a book mm-hmm. because not only the Schinkel family history, but just the history of Kelly in general. I mean, there's just so much stuff. And if we have time for one more quick story, yeah, most people know of the Kelly Cemetery out there. This summer. We are actually found out there's another little cemetery in Kelly. It's it's on the south side of Kelly, up on the hill, but it would still be in the Elk Refuge land. It'd still be on the Elk Refuge. And there's just this little seven-grave cemetery up there. Mm-hmm. I've got a great um, – probably a great, great aunt buried up there, and then there's a couple of other uh, big history names here. And I think it was – they're all young age. You know, they, none of them lived long. And I think it was kind of like a flu epidemic mm. that broke out in Kelly. And I think they used this plot mm. for those. But Andy came out and kind of measured up tree lines into the old railroad ties that were in this 
cemetery, and he went and had uh, gravestones made up. And so that was one of the Schinkel family reunion projects. Though I was busy cooking sausage and eggs Bacon. for the breakfast. <laughs> But a lot of people went up and they put in these gravestones for these seven people that were up there. So it was really cool. That's awesome. It's a, it's a neat town, tons of history, and I don't even have a surface level of it. Cool. So if people are coming out here to visit, they should certainly go visit Kelly. Kelly's great. And Kelly's cool. Um, if you can find a way to get out to the Kelly Cemetery, it's, it is eerie, but mm-hmm. it is the best view I mean, it, it's beautiful. I mean, it just sits at the base of this little butte just south of the Warm Springs. You would never know it was there in a million years. To drive out there now is giant houses mm-hmm. that you couldn't even think of existing back in the early 1900s. And there's just this little cemetery sitting back there. And again, it's all the old locals. It's crazy. It's so neat to go out there. If you, find, if you can find an opportunity to get out there, get out there. Cool. It's pretty neat. I'll go look for it this summer. All right. We'll go. I'll take you out there. Cool. Thank we'll you. Go for a hike. That'd be great. All right. Charlie, have a good day. Thank you, sir. Thanks ba- for having me. You bet. All right. Bye. To learn more about Charlie and his family, please visit the JacksonHoleConnection.com episode number 74. You know, it's easy to share this episode. Just find it on your phone and click share. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with some friends, family, coworkers, or your friendly neighbor. And I could not create this podcast without the support of my wife, Laura, my boys, William and Lewis, my editor, Michael Morey, my musical director, Luke Taylor, and my marketing guru, Tana Hoffman. I know you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back here for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.